Welcome to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show Podcast from Real Country 92.1 Hank FM. Brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito. Recorded live every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers in Alito. And now with Alito Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones, the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. Trips to the far side. Hawk Daniels in the slot for the Bearcats. Haney to throw, pressure's on, dumps a screen out, pass is caught by Trace Clarkson, first down inside the 40, inside the 30, running away from everybody at the 10-5, touchdown, Alito Bearcats. And that was the Bearcats' second touchdown of the night. The first four times Alito touched the football against Azel last Friday night, they scored 29 points en route to a 50-7 victory to improve their record to 4-0, the number one team in Class 5A Division One. Hi, everybody, Kevin Lonquist. Glad that you're with us here on the Alito Coaches Show podcast on 92.1 Hank FM. Want to also welcome you to a new environment, too, because we're out here on the patio rather than being inside this time. And we're going to probably keep it here on the patio for the foreseeable future. Of course, the weather will always play a factor in that. But we want to thank you all for being a part of this because the downloads of what we've been getting through and the numbers that we're seeing through the first three weeks of the show, more than 150 downloads each each of the first three weeks. So that's a pretty good start for where we're at. We're obviously hoping that things continue to progress the way they are. Of course, you can always subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. Hank FM has got their podcast board, so you're welcome to always do that and spread the word to anyone who's an Alito Bearcat football fan who wants to read and more, has more access to the Bearcats. And so joined by head coach uh, Rob. Jones and uh, Robbie, congratulations on the uh, victory on Friday. It's always nice to come away with a win. I mean, it doesn't matter how use you get to it, but it's always good to come out of there with a win. Right. You know, that's the goal going into the game is always come out with a victory. Let's talk a little bit about the things you saw from Aislinn uh, and it, the way that your team played, the way they responded from the previous week against Justin Northwest. That had to make you feel good about the way they just snapped back and they played to the level that you all are accustomed to seeing. Right. You know, that's what we expect from our guys uh, to come out and play that well. You know, and, and they did. It was a total team, you know, uh, game. We played well on offense, defense, special teams, all around. You know, a uh, good game for us. Four times you touch the ball, you, you score. I, I don't know if a, a coach could draw up a start any better than that. You know, you also get a few three and outs on, in, along the way as well. But to get that kind of start like you did, what did that tell you about just how – mentally they were locked in and ready to go right it showed you know the focus level was there you know where we expected to be you know for us to go you know drive the way we did you know made it look kind of easy at times you know and then when the defense went out there and stuffed them and made them go three and out you know that's big let's talk a little bit about just with this offensive growth and i'll get to hoss here in just a few moments here but it seems like now especially with last week against Hazel, we talk about think about the the deep shot to trace clarks and that went for about 46 yards down to their 24-yard line. But you also took a couple deep shots. Are you starting to find that with this offense and knowing more and more what you can get out of Trace, Colton McCoy, we'll get to him in a moment here as well, but Colton, obviously with Hawk, uh, Caden Finley coming back this week, that this offense can be a more vertical threat than maybe what you anticipated back in spring. No, we felt like it was going to be a very explosive offense. You know, uh, we got guys that can stretch the field, you know, vertically, and uh, those are the things we're going to take advantage of throughout the year. So let's talk a little bit about as far as, you know, with Caden's back in the, the lineup this week, the sophomore, um, kind of a slow surfer, and of course, got banged up by the, with the ankle, missed the last two games. So how do you want to use him and kind of weave him back into the fold, if you will, moving as we get started with Saginaw on Friday? Right. You know, we want to see him get the ball in his hands uh, several times, you know, especially in the first half. Uh, you know, and it, it's not going to be a, a full time for him. 
Uh, we're still going to roll him and, and Colton at that spot. You know, Colton can play out there where uh, he was taking Caden's spot that last week, you know, but he can also play in the slot. So, you know, we're, we're going to roll those guys a little bit because both of them have a, a little bit of an injury. You know, Caden's not fully healed. Colton's, you know, fighting an injury uh, himself. You know, so we can limit their time by, you know, kind of rotating those guys. So let's talk a little bit about Colt and his development. He kind of, uh, he, the way that he's come along here um, and that he's kind of he's kind of turned into that uh, Olin Jack type of receiver for you where he's pretty good with his hands, he's got pretty good speed, and he's kind of built the same way as Olin Jack was. But just what have you, what's been, what has he shown you over these first four games that makes you feel like he can be a valued member of this receiving core because you actually kind of have him as kind of like a co-starter at the slot with where with your depth chart with hawk right yeah and and, and that's what we you know kind of consider him you know he, he's another guy that's really basically a starter for us and, and we saw that in the spring uh, his speed development this spring you know uh, was a big thing you know, he was a soccer player, so he was over in soccer, you know, playing soccer. Then when he came back to us from soccer, we, we realized, you know, this guy has gotten a lot faster than he was last year. And that speed, you know, has made it to where he's going to be a big contributor for us on our offense. So with that, is it mainly a foot speed thing or is it just a, a total speed thing that you notice when a football player is over playing soccer or maybe another sport, but in this case with soccer, where you notice the jump? Well, we, we just noticed it, you know, right away, you know, when he came back, you know, and I don't know if it's anything they did in soccer, but, you know, it's the fact that he had matured a little bit. You know, you could tell his body, you know, had grown a little bit. He's gotten stronger, and, and that led to him also, you know, gaining, you know, this, the foot speed that he uh, is displaying to right now, you know. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just moving with this offense with uh, with Haas Haney, your starting quarterback. Phenomenal performance last week, 14 out of 17, about 287 yards. But we also noticed, too, a couple of throws that he made across the field. Basically, ball was on the far hash, and he's throwing on the other side of the field where he finds, if it's not Trace, it is Colton. And uh, this is a part of his game this year that I noticed, and even uh, Kyle Hicks, our analyst, noticed, that he wasn't making that throw last year, or you guys weren't even asking him to make that throw is that is that true? And if that's the true, how do you how did that kind of come about as the season has gone along here? You know, we made some of those throws last year. You know, he had a big throw uh, on a big third down last year against Denton Ryan. You know, across the field. So those are throws that he, he he's able to make. You know, it, it basically shows his arm strength. And really, if if you don't have a quarterback like Haas that can make that throw, it, it limits you offensively in high school. But he has the arm strength to make those throws so we can make those calls, you know, and, and give defenses basically things that they don't normally see. Now, I want to ask you about it. Since you've been around offense pretty much all your coaching life here, when it comes to quarterbacks, and it's kind of like I, I kind of look at them as kind of like starting pitchers in somewhere and changing speeds where I can throw it this this hard into this window here because if he runs to a spot, I can get it there. Or I can, I can touch this one or I don't have to put as much on this one. How does a coach and a quarterback work through that understanding the situations of how much, when to put something, put more on it, when to take something off on you know, a throw? And, you know, that's just something that's worked on, you know, not just during the season. That's worked on in the offseason. That's worked on, you know, throughout the summer, you know, during skills, you know, in the summer. So those are things that, you know, he and his quarterback coach, you know, talk about. You know, hey, you got to put a one ball on this, you know, with a little bit, you know, less, you know, arch on it, or you got to need a three ball or a two ball. 
you know, t- uh, types of deals on certain throws. So explain to the listeners what a two-ball or a three-ball might yeah, be. A, a three-ball is going to have a lot more arch on it. You know, it's going to go higher up in the air. You know, a one-ball is going to like a fastball coming right at you. Kind of like a four-seamer yeah. fastball, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we should t- point out that in our second segment, we're going to be joined by Alito's no-fly zone, the uh, defensive backs between Jaden Allen and Chris Johnson. Both of those are power five commitments, and we'll have them on in the second segment. Okay, so let's talk a little bit here, uh, Robbie, about – Two deeps, because you've had to juggle your two deeps with this team uh, the last couple of weeks here. You know, but prior to the last week against Azel, you had your left tackle, uh, DJ Williams, out and Caden Finley in. Then middle of the week, I get a depth chart from you saying that DJ's in and Caden's out. And so when you're trying to adjust and get a two deep ready for a game for a week and you have to make that kind of an adjustment late in the week, what kind of a challenge does that pose for a head coach and for his staff? Or is it a case where you know your players so well that you don't feel like, ah, no, we gotta, we got to change our game plan because we have to do this, this, and this? Uh, the game plan really doesn't change. You know, it's, it's that next man up mentality. You know, uh, we, we went into, you know, the week thinking that because Jaden, you know, I mean, not Jaden, uh, DJ had just, you know, injured his ankle. We thought that, hey, there's a good possibility uh, he's not going to be ready to play this week because normally it takes at least a week for those you know, ankle injuries to heal. But uh, he sat out on Monday, and then on Tuesday he comes out there for practice, and I'm like, what are you doing? He said, hey, I feel good. Coach Little says, you know, everything's good, and uh, I'm going to give it a go. So he went a little bit on Tuesday, then went full go on Wednesday. Uh, and then Caden uh, Finley was the opposite. Caden uh, did some work with Coach Little early Monday. Coach Little felt good about the stability and everything, the strength that he had uh, in the ankle. So he came out, practiced part of the time on Monday, and so we were going to slowly work him into it. But then on Tuesday, you know, it was bothering him a little bit, so we decided, hey, let's uh, hold him out. Every ankle is different, but, I mean, what's the challenge? But what is the thing that, you know, Troy Little, your head trainer, and his staff are looking for in terms of – because ankles are always going to turn in a given season, but what are the signs that they need to look for to feel like – a kid can play through it or he can't play through it well you know he, he puts them through some strength tests uh then some balance tests and then he he checks them out you know whether or not they can jump on it and then run you know without you know pain and, and so forth and you know those were the things that he's looking for and uh, when he he thinks they're ready then we'll get them going okay so i want to ask you a little bit about your two-point offense because we've seen you guys do more, or at least tempt more two-point tries this year than through the first four games than I can recall. And of course, I have a short-term memory on this, but you've had at least four attempts at a two-point try, and you've converted all of them. And I want to ask you about just the thinking about this. Is that something that you all you all want to get working on so that you might need it for the playoffs? Or what's been yeah. kind of the thinking about wanting to do this so early in the season? Well, we want to give people some things to look at. You know, uh, that's one of the things. If you, if you go back to the uh, 2000, I believe it was 19 game against uh, Denton Geyer. Uh, they hadn't shown in a couple of years to use the swinging gate, and then they come out that first ball game and and they use it, you know, successfully on us. And basically, they beat us in that game because of the two point conversions. We actually scored more times than they did in that game, but they beat us by three points because they were successful on those two point conversions. And uh, one, that was one. And lining up in the swinging gate after uh, a score is something that we did when I was in high school. My dad did, and then uh, Dustin Lloyd, our special teams coordinator. 
he talked to me about it uh, before the season, and he, and we installed it this summer. So we started putting it in this summer, you know, and it's something that uh, he was really wanting to do. So I said, hey, we'll do it, you know, as long as, you know, we're successful at it. It doesn't cause us uh, delay of games, which we have had one delay of game. Right. Uh, as a result of it but you know it didn't kill us you know we still made the extra point after that but you know and it's something that you know when when we line up Dustin's in the the box and uh, he's looking at numbers of whether or not they have enough people you know on to one side of the uh, formation or the other and uh, if he sees something that he likes he calls it and we run it so is that a situation where Dustin is going it's read and react it's not like we're going to call it regardless of what they're lining up he's going to and and I would imagine too that whatever and do you have the same personnel groups out there for that or do you got to run people on and off no it's it's whatever whatever personnel group was on the field when we scored that's who lines up and and we've had to work some different personnel groups just this week to make sure everybody knows where to line up. Now, uh, when we have all of our defensive guys in the game and our, our what we call our Raider package, our power high uh, package, we kill it, you know, uh, because those guys aren't down there working with us uh, on that all the time. But, you know, we do have to work all of our personnel packages on it so that we can line up and, and do it. What? And, Go ahead. And we and we did have one situation last week where we had a little bit different personnel package, and we had some guys that didn't know where to line up. So we just went ahead, you know, and rolled it uh, this, the extra point team out there. So okay, so let me ask you in terms of plays, and without this, you know, without getting in too many of the secret sauce here, but in terms of just how many plays do you guys actually have designed for something like this? Because I think we've seen three runs. There was kind of like that. That little play to Hawk that worked, and then you—I think you had a pass to Tyson Timms, and then of course Hawks had two of them on straight runs. But how many plays do you have on that? We have at least four each week, you know, and, and they're different week to week. You know, uh, we're not always going to run the same one uh, that we showed the week before because it's on video and the people are working on it. So we have, you know, at least four new ones uh, that we work each week, and then we also have uh, just two basic ones that are our bases. Okay, so let me ask you a little bit about uh, on defense because you're such a defensive aficionado on this. But uh, but let's ask a little bit about you know I've kind of been I've gone back and forth with people about you know defensive numbers and you know sacks are always going to be going to be so focused on by a lot of people because that tells you how good your defensive line is or at least what your pass rush is. But I've also kind of felt like hurries because the because the offensive game has become so fast with tempo that sort of thing that the hurries probably equal or matter just as much and so as a coach you know I don't know if you you and Brad McCone talked about this or what Brad's uh, philosophy is in this but do you feel like a sack or in a hurry kind of equal each other or does one kind of supersede the other well you know of course the sack is you know is a bigger deal because there's a loss of yardage you know but the hurries are big uh, because, you know, the way the offenses work uh, these days, you know, they're trying to get the ball out as quick as possible. And if we can get pressure on the quarterback, make him throw it before he really wants to, you know, that's a big deal. I know in the first week of the season, or, uh, after the first game uh, against Parish Episcopal, you talked about five defensive tackles that you were rotating through. And you seem like that rotation has started to develop the way you all were hoping to. What, what's been your evaluation of what you've seen? You know, all, all those guys can play. Uh, all five of them can get in there at any time. And what that does is it allows you to have fresh guys on the field. You know, last year we, uh, we primarily played with Dimbu and Wheeler. And at times they would get tired. And they weren't, you know, as productive when they're tired. So, you know, when we can rotate guys in, you know, and have fresh guys on the field, uh, it makes their production level a whole lot higher. It's homecoming week for the Bearcats. They're going to be taking on the Saginaw Rough Riders, a 7 o'clock start at Tim Buchanan Stadium. 
Which, by the way, got all the I think they got all the signage on it, didn't I? They did. They even got uh, the Steve Wood complex on the field house. This all right. Week. So, yeah, because I knew that the Steve Wood stuff was coming, but uh, the Tim's uh, signage was on there as well. But uh, homecoming for you all this week. I know it's always a, a, a coaches always worry about homecoming because of the dance and everything else that goes, and just all the. Now, off the field stuff that goes into it, but your team has obviously been able to handle a week like this. But still, what do you have to kind of look for or guard against to make sure that your team comes out ready to play on you Friday? You got to keep them focused all all week. You know, we we can't be worrying about the the homecoming dance. We can't, you know, the the parade. You know, that cut into some of our practice time Monday <laughs> right. after school. Right. You know, so you know all those things. You know, can cut into your time. You know, and your preparation. But you know, our guys are really good at staying focused most of the time. You know, on, on what the job is at hand. The job in is the game. You know, all that homecoming stuff is for all the fans and all the other, you know, uh, members of the, the school. You know, our job is to go win a football game. And that seems to be going pretty well over the over the last several years. It, it has been. <laughs> okay. Uh, about the Rough Riders, uh, they're 0-4, but, you know, last year when the Bearcats went out to Saginaw last year, won the game pretty handily, 70-7. to Sounds like they've got a little bit more skill level. You know, some, some things that you guys have to look for. What do you see from the Rough Riders? You know, they got a lot of people back from last year. So, you know, they've got kids that, you know, have been in these ball games. Uh, their skill level is a lot better, you know. Uh, they returned three out of four guys in their secondary, so their secondary is a lot stronger against the pass. Uh, and then, and, you know, you go turn on some tapes, uh, like the, uh, the Boswell tape, which is a, a rivalry game for them. And their receivers made some big plays uh, in those games. So, you know, they, they've got some, some pretty good skill. Even though they they're haven't won a ball game yet, they can give people, you know, trouble at times. Uh, defensively, they gave uh, Denton Ryan some, some hard times last week. You know, matter of fact, first drive of the ball game, Denton Ryan goes three and out and has to punt. You know, so they've got guys over there that can make plays. You know, they just hadn't been real consistent at it. <laughs> Mike Peters in his second stint coming back to Saginaw, and he obviously had great success his first one there, getting them to the playoffs. And that's a big rebuild for him. What's what's been the thing that you know that he has to be patient with? He's been through this before, but as a coach going through a rebuild, what's going to be key for him to get that program back to where he hopes it can be? Yeah, it just takes time. You know, it, it takes time of getting people through uh, the system, get them ingrained, you know, in, in, in the expectations, and, and keep them around. You know, and, and that's that's what was big when, you know, when Coach Buchanan got here, you know, and they weren't doing so great the first few years. But the people of Alito said, hey, look, we got we to gotta stick with this guy, you know, and it's paid off for him. You know, uh, the system that he put in place and that we, we still run, you know, the expectations are there. The kids know the expectations. Uh, the, the families coming into the program know the expectations. So, you know, he's just got to have a little bit of time to build it. All right. 6.30 is the pregame show here on 92.1 Hank FM. The kickoff is at 7 o'clock. Coach, always a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you on Friday night, and uh, thanks for being with us as always. All right. Thank you. All right. The uh, podcast is brought to you by our friends at H5 Sports Barn and Knife Physio, and they can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats. With expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Bar, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. On the other segment here, we'll be talking to Alito's no-fly zone. That's defensive backs Chris Johnson and Jaden Allen. Chris is committed to the university, or Chris is committed to Arizona State. Jaden is committed to the University of Arkansas. Stick around. We're back in just a few moments. 
Winkfield out, Guillory in in the backfield for the Bearcats in this power pistol formation, and Guillory will get the carry up the middle with room to run. 15 gets outside to the 10, 5, and he'll walk it in. Touchdown, Alito Bearcats. And we welcome you to the second segment of the Alito Coaches Show podcast here on 92.1 Hank FM. I'm Kevin Lonquist, joined by Alito's no-fly zone, the defensive backs, both Power 5 commitments. To my far left is Jaden Allen. He is the senior commitment to the University of Arkansas. To my immediately le- immediate left is Chris Johnson. He's the defensive back commitment to Arizona State. Give it up for both these young men, please. All right, guys, great to have you with us. Uh, we'll start off about just, okay, I'm going to ask you both first, just about first four games of the season. You guys are in it. You've gone 40% of the season. Hard to believe we're already this far into the season, but just give me individually right now, Jaden, where you feel like your game is at right now, things that you feel like you've done well, things that you still need to keep working on. Uh, I feel right now, I feel like... Uh, I... I feel like I could I could do better uh, as the game, you know, as we have more games. And okay, and Chris, for you, um, I feel like we got I got it to a good start in the Paris game, and then um, for a couple quarters out there in the Dengar game, I was a little sloppy, but um, we still came out with the win. And defense showed up when we needed to, so that was good. And Jaden showed up when he needed to. I showed up when I needed to. And then uh, Northwest, we just came out there and handled business. Um, you know, uh, we knew we, had, we didn't show our full potential against the Dengar game, so um, we knew we had to show our full potential against Northwest. And yeah. then Azel, we just came out there and handled business as usual. Okay, so I want to ask you guys about those two games. I mean, uh, you know, because last week you basically had the week off. <laughs> uh, Azel didn't take a shot downfield, not that I can remember. I think maybe took one that was about maybe 15 yards <laughs> down the sideline. That was about it. But I want to ask you a little bit about just playing against Parrish Playing against Geyer because, you know, Geyer's got the Division One commit uh, with Josiah Martin, who's committed to Boston College, and those types of challenges. Let, let's start with what you all took from those games. Frustrations, of course, ups and downs. Also made some several big plays. Let's start with you, Chris, about what you took from those two games, what you saw on film, mechanics, just playing the ball, playing the receiver, that sort of thing. Um, going into those two weeks, we definitely knew it was like revenge games because uh, we didn't, we definitely didn't come out last year and play how we wanted to, so... Going against Paris, we took one uh, one play at a time, one step at a time. Took film very serious, and then when we got out there, we just executed how we needed to. And then uh, going into the Dengar game, a couple of early snaps, I let Josiah beat me over the top. And, uh, you know, I just had to come back and keep playing football because at the end of the day, it's football. You know, made his play, plays made on you as a uh, DB. So you just got a uh, one play at a time mentality and just keep going. So, like I said, showed him when we needed to. I want to follow up with you, but how, you know, the game within the game, how fun was that, though, going against a guy like Martin who's going to a Power 5 conference school, and you are too. I mean, what was what was that like just going against him? Oh, it was definitely fun. A lot of trash talking because, you know, of course, like, you want to challenge, you want to bring the best out of each other. So trash talking is just part of the game. And, you know, seeing him in a couple camps, you know, he's got me a couple times, definitely got him a couple times. So, you know, just putting it on the football field, you know, big game, big scenario, you know, like I said, he, he got over the top of me a couple times, but, you know, we came back and made some plays when we needed to. And then, so J- and then Jaden, for you, just, you know, it, what did you take from those two games against Episcopal and Geyer that you hope will make you even better as you continue on through this season? Uh, I really took just not getting beat over top, just playing one play at a time and just using my technique that I know best. That's about it. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, have they primarily used you guys with a lot of man press coverage? How is the, how are the coaching staff, how's the coaching staff use you guys early part of the season? So uh, how Coach Reeves teach us if, if we got one man, like, on our side, we can play man and press. 
Or if it's two receivers, we just got regular cover four. Is that fun to do? I mean, do you, do you prefer that rather than going zone? Have you guys even played any zone this year or not? Uh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. A little bit, okay. And then for you, Chris, I mean, just what do you, what do you get out of that in terms of just, uh, you know, just the fun, just how much the, the press and the, and the man, and what, what do you have a coverage that you prefer? Uh, well, being a second-year starter coming back from last year, you know, it was la- last year was more, you know, just getting the basics down and, you know, playing uh, core defense. But this year, you know, switching up a little bit more, Coach Reeves trusts us a little bit more. So, you know, he lets us make our own decisions out there with the coverages. And, of course, we listen to the safeties when it comes to, you know, more receivers on our side. But I definitely like I like, I like playing man. Okay, so the communication that you guys have to have in the, in the secondary with, with Jake Gillespie as well as Boogie Owens, what, how important is that to understand where everyone needs to be, just spacing on the field, that sort of thing? What's, I'll go to you, Jaden, just, just making sure that everyone's in the right spot. Uh, it got to be important because we got to be on the same page at the same time. If we're not on the same page, and might get you know a touchdown thrown on us. So we just got to be on the same page. And then for you, Chris, um, there's been a couple times that you know we haven't got the call from uh, safeties or the sideline. You know we're all all thrown off and big plays happen. So being on the same page with the safety is definitely a big thing, especially when you know going to get big receivers like you know for instance Josiah Martin on that one touchdown he had. Uh, we didn't get the call, so he scored. But you know. After that, we made sure that every play after that, we make, we get the call, repeat the call. And so it's just it's very important to be on key with our safety. Okay, so I want to ask you about, I don't know, the, the challenge of, you know, they, they say that all defensive backs are on an island, if you will. So how, what kind of a physical or mental challenge is that to just know that I'm going against the guy and if I don't do my job, I'm going to get beat. Or if I do my job, I'm going to make a big play for us. I mean, what's that? What kind of mentality do you have to have to, to play that type of position? I'd say you just got to have that dog mentality. You got to be ready to compete at all times. And, you know, if a big play happens, just go to the next play. Don't let it get on your head. Is it is short-term memory like just is, how quickly do you, you have to put it behind you as quickly yeah, as you sir. can? You just got to go to the next play so you won't hurt your team, you know, getting your head and your feelings and stuff. You can't let that happen. Same question for you, Chris, about the island, just man on the island mentality. Yeah, like Jay said, you definitely have that dog mentality because, I mean, like, like I said, as a DB, you're going to get beat sometimes. A DB can make some good plays. So you can't get too big and make a good play because then you might get beat the next play and you can't too low on yourself because that's when the receiver starts feeling that if you get too, if he's out of your comfort zone, he's going to start he's gonna start getting on top of you and you don't want that. I'm joined by Jaden Allen, commitment to the University of Arkansas. Chris Johnson, commitment to Arizona State University. Forks up for you. Woo pick to you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about as far as like just, I don't know, best play you think you've made in your varsity career. If you had one that you can circle, what do you think it was? And I'm asking this to Jaden, by the way. I say it's when we played South Hills and we was in cover two. And I was supposed to be reading a two receiver, and he ran the five yard out, and I just jumped it. Pick six? Yes, sir. All right. And then for you, Chris? Um, definitely the my first varsity game against Parrish when I uh, had the 50-yard interception return. Um, so we were supposed to be in, well, whole, whole first half, we kept getting beat, and they kept, you know, looking at the sideline, checking our coverage and changing the play. So Coach Reed started to start disguising it. So I was disguising like I was in uh, four, and then I walked up last second and played man, and then I just jumped the second receiver's out route and then reverse field and almost got in the end zone, one yard line. <laughs> <laughs> and how much did you catch for that for not finishing the, the uh, pick? Uh, man, I mean, coaches said I was in, but they said I would have been in if we were at Alito, but, you know, Parrish wanted to give me the game, so they said the rest are, rest are on this side, so 50-50. <laughs> okay, so I want to ask you in terms of when you are playing a receiver, man-on-man or press or whatever, but when you're watching the receiver, are you looking more at his eyes or his hips 
or where his hands are in terms of his anticipation of the ball coming to him? What do you need to see in order to help you kind of that tips you off, Jaden? Uh, I look right at his hips because if you look in, look him in his eyes and he do one head fake, you can just easily go for it. So I just stay focused on the hips. And then for you, Chris. Well, for a man, I definitely look at his hips and his uh, his back leg because, you know, if I look up, he, he can make any type of fake like Jaden said and uh, misdirect you. But if we're playing off, man, I kind of – a lot of – a lot of quarterbacks that we play, they look at their receivers or the receiver they want to go to before they snap the ball. So I kind of read those type of keys and stuff like that. All right, so I'm going to ask you just best high school receiver you think you've gone against in your time here at Alito. What would it be, Jaden? I'd say Jalen Hill from Longview. Okay, and then for you? Definitely Josiah Martin. Okay, so Martin Martin went, is obviously, as we said a few moments ago, is committed to Boston College. Jalen Hill, he's the one that went to Alabama. And so, all right. Okay, so guys, obviously you have this in your blood. I mean, uh, Chris, your dad, Lewis, was playing in the NFL several years, had a great career at the University of Louisville. And then Jaden, obviously your brother Brandon's down in Texas. I want to ask you about the influence of just playing, you know, just talking with those guys or just complaining with them or just working with them throughout your development as defensive backs. I'll start with you, Chris, about just with your father and, of course, with his background, what his background has helped you to put you in this position where you have an opportunity to play at the next level. Uh, I feel like ever since a young age, he always uh, saw the potential in me and things like things like that. But uh, like back in middle school, when I didn't want to play football, you know, he didn't he didn't bash me about it. He let me play basketball. Let me try that out. But back when I told him I wanted to play football, starting high school, and he was right back on me like he used to be. And, you know, I just listened to him because I mean, done at the highest level, won the Super Bowl, all of that. So I mean, when someone like that's trying to give you uh, inspiration, you know, you got to listen to it. Especially like coming from his background, you know, when JUCO ran track out of college, wasn't really seen as a DB. But then you know, come out run a four one eight, and then just. You know, take off from there and have a successful career like he had. I mean, like, he did it the right way, so obviously I'm going to take his advice. And then for you, just with your brother, uh, and, and obviously you had, the, you had the opportunity to play with him for a couple of years too here at Alito, but what's that, what was that experience like just for being with him and playing with him and then just maybe in your development? Uh, you know, I learned a lot from my brother, and, you know, uh, I just really, he just really led the way for me, and I just really just focused on, like, how he go with things, and I'll go with it. Um, yeah, I just, I just really. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about. Okay, so let's move into your recruiting situations here again. Uh, we talked about this, Chris. I want to ask you a little bit about your situation with Arizona State. Uh, you committed to them. Uh, signing day is going to be in December. You've said that you're going to arrive in January of 2024. So, uh, just I want you to take the the listeners through your recruiting process and how stressful that was the schools that it came down to several folks may not know you know who your finalists were before you decided on arizona state so just kind of walk people walk through what the walk people through what that process was like for you so i mean uh going into going to the season at the end of the season i didn't have any offers and then going into christmas break i got the first call from uh, louisville my dad's alma mater and they called me and they offered me and then after that kind of just took off i mean slower and slower uh, Grambling offered me next, and then kind of January, mid-February, that's when they really ramped up, and I started getting offers like weekly, daily. And then uh, by the middle of the summer, I made a top six, which was Utah, SMU, Louisville, Arizona State, um, Utah, Arizona State, and two more, uh, Oregon, mm -hmm. and uh, I can't remember the last one, but... Okay, yeah. and, and how many official visits did you actually take? Uh, Oregon and Arizona State. Okay, so did it really come down to the Ducks and the Sun Devils then for you? Uh, also Utah, but I just couldn't get out there during the summer. Okay. Oh, and also on uh, Arkansas visit with Jay, and that, uh, that was the 16th. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, so on that decision, what was it the decision about Arizona State down in Tempe that really made the 
you know, kind of spoke to you and said, this is where I want to be? What, what sold it for you? Um, well, uh, my relationship with Coach BC, the, uh, the new DB coach there, definitely um, had been my third offer. And, you know, he came, came all the way to Alito to see me, which a lot of coaches didn't do when they offered me. Uh, called me out of class and, you know, just built the relationship with me since day one. So that played a, a role. And then I went out there for an unofficial during spring break. And, you know, I just like the vibes out there. I love Tempe. I love Coach Dillingham, the head coach there. I love the defensive coordinator, Coach Ward. You know, I just love everything they're building out there. You know, um, then I went out there for an OV back in June. They just showed a lot of love. You know, uh, a lot of players there hosted me. And, you know, like I said, showed a lot of love. So, you know, at the end of the day, I just wanted to go where, you know, I was prioritizing. I just want uh, just another player on the roster. So I saw that a lot in Arizona State. Okay. Stressful to do this? I mean, how was it for that standpoint? Oh, it was definitely stressful. You know, um, this is a big decision for life. You know, having to make that big boy decision, like your first big boy decision on, on your own future, you know, is a, is a big step in life. And then, Jaden, for you, I mean, your situation was a little <clears> bit different because you had originally committed to Texas because your, your brother was down there. Then you flipped to Arkansas back in April, I believe it was. And so, you know, what was that situation like for you about committing to Texas then when Arkansas came in and why you felt like Fayetteville would be a better fit for you than Austin? Uh, I felt like because I, re I really got close with the um, Arkansas coaches, you know, and they felt like family. They treated me like family, and it just felt like home. You know, I really got close with them. They got close with my family, and I just, yeah, the coaches really just stuck to me. What did you think of Fayetteville itself? Uh, it's nice. Man. Yeah. I can speak personally because my wife is a Razorback, and my oldest daughter just graduated from the University of Arkansas, so they're big thumbs up on that decision and all that. And so, but, uh, but for you guys, um, you know, let's talk about this, about making the decision. You all uh, have made the decision that you're going to arrive in January of 2024. I said that a few moments ago. But this gives, as we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, that it gives you the opportunity to go through spring practice in 2024, whenever that's scheduled, March, April, whatever the case may be. But what are the other things that lead you to make this decision? Because you got, you got to get your credits in. You got to graduate early. You probably had to do some summer school, I would suspect. Did you have to do summer school? Yes, sir. All right. And then for you, Jaden, you have to do this. How many classes did you have to take even to, to get ramped up so you could get through in uh, December here in Alito? Two. Yeah, I'd, I'd take three. Did you? Yes, sir. Okay. So all this is coming in so fast here. It's, it's like a compressed schedule. Uh, is, it, is it easy to manage? Is it getting easier to manage before you get up there? I mean, you can just worry about Saginaw on Friday, but, but, but you know mid-January is getting closer. So, how is the, so what's the mentality of just realizing that i got to deal with this when it's coming here, but is it easy to kind of not think about it until it actually shows up, you know, arriving, in our, arriving at each campus? I'll start with you, Jaden. Uh, how I go about it is I don't really just I don't think about it. I just think about our season and like Coach Jones say, just focus on our season and when it comes, it, it just comes. And then for you, Chris, uh, I mean, uh, after I got done with all my summer classes, I was kind of excited. Like, yeah, I, you know, talked to coaches. I can't wait to get you up here for spring football, spring training, all that. So you know, I was excited about that. But then the season started, and like Jaden said, you know, it's one game at a time. You know, especially being our senior season, you know, you you wanted to go by as slow as possible. So I'm just trying to enjoy every moment. Obviously, this program has won 11 uh, state titles. You guys were part of last year's uh, state title team. What's the, what's the key for this team trying to get back to playing the Saturday before uh, Christmas? Actually, it's going to be the Friday before Christmas because that Division uh, one state title game is the last game on that Friday. But for you, Jaden, what do you think this team is going to have to do in order to try and play the final weekend of the Texas high school football season? I say we just got to stay focused and stay locked in. And once we just stay focused, we're good. And then for you, Chris. Yeah, like Jaden said, just stay in focus and just work, work, uh, worry about our opponent one game at a time, you know, not looking towards, you know, who we think we'll play in the playoffs, who, who we know we can be, you know, just taking every opponent as an opponent that's 
we can play that Friday night and just handle that Friday night. And, you know, like, like Coach Reese always says, practice like you're playing for a state championship and one day you'll be playing for one. So just keeping that mentality week in and week out. Here's the, big, here's the big, biggest question. Are you having fun playing the game? Yes, sir. All right, and then for most you. Definitely. All right, because that's the most important thing. If you're having fun, then that means it's, it's, it, there, is a, there is something to it. So, Okay, so this is Jaden Allen. He's the defensive back. He's the commitment to the University of Arkansas. This is Chris Johnson. He's the defensive back committed to Arizona State. These gentlemen will be signing along with at least five other members of this 2024 Alito class that are going to be signing either a Division I Power Five conference scholarship or at the FCS level. Maybe a couple more would be joining them in mid-December. Give it up for these two gentlemen for joining us here this afternoon, this evening. Guys, you did great. Thanks for joining. One more reminder about H5 Sports Barn and Nye Physio and Performance. They can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. Now, we will be back next Monday. We had to do it today, Tuesday, because of the homecoming parade. You guys weren't in that parade, were you? Oh, you weren't. Okay. All right, but we'll be back next Monday, 7 o'clock, here on the patio, win notwithstanding, but we'll be back next Monday here on the patio following the Bearcats game uh, when they take on Saginaw High on Rough, uh, Rough Riders at 7 o'clock. Reminder that the game you can hear on 92.1 Hank FM pregame show at 6.30. The kickoff is at 7 o'clock and you'll be joining me and Kyle Hicks and Mercedes Meyer uh, as we get going here throughout the course of the uh, season. And of course, thank you all for being a part of this. Again, tell everybody about the podcast as we're go throughout the course of the 2023 season. Make sure you go to the Hank FM board to download your podcast or wherever you get your podcast. So, for Robbie Jones, Jaden Allen, Chris Johnson, I'm Kevin Longquist. Thanks for being with us for this week's edition of the Little Bearcats Coaches Show bod- Podcast. We will be back next week. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito with Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones and the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. You're also welcome to join us in person every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers, 601 FM 1187 in Alito. And then listen to every Alito Bearcats game home and away live on 92.1 Hank FM on the free 92.1 Hank FM app or online at 921HankFM.com. The Alito Coaches Show podcast is a production of Real Country, Hank FM.